That's Chat is brought to you by Walters. March Madness is just around the corner, and with the Atlantic 10 and CAA Championship tournaments being hosted in D.C. this year, the action will begin a little earlier. Walters is the premier location for meeting up before heading to the game, or stick around and watch all of the action on the over 30 TVs available. Walters would also like to thank employee number 11 for his time with the Nationals. We couldn't have been represented by a more class act for the last 17 years, and we're excited to see what the future holds for the Zimmerman family. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ryan Zimmerman is being saluted with a standing ovation, which includes the Boston Red Sox. Their entire team is out on the edge of the grass, giving Zimmerman an ovation. He's saluting the crowd as he's being taken out of the game. He's patting his chest, looking to all corners of Nationals Park. Davey Martinez is hobbling out to greet him. (laughs) Zim mimicking Davey's gait. And they embrace in front of the first base side dugout. Well, the Nationals didn't come out of the dugout to take the field. Zim went out and he turned around. He was the only one on the field. And then everyone came out to applaud his teammates to hug him. And welcome to Nats Chat for Wednesday, February 16th, 2022. This is an emergency pod installment of the Nats Chat podcast. Sound your sirens. Along with Nats insider Mark Zuckerman of MassInSports.com, I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. Nice to be with you as we come to you off major Nationals news on Tuesday afternoon. Ryan Zimmerman announcing his retirement. Mr. National, Mr. Walkoff, calling it a career. Not necessarily shocking, although, Mark, I got to tell you, when Rob Manfred last Thursday said that the universal designated hitter now was a thing, I said to myself, geez, we haven't heard anything about Zim's future. Now we have the universal DH. Maybe just maybe Zim's going to come back for 2022, but I guess the allure of the universal DH only went so far, and so Zim is calling it a career. Yeah. You know, look, Al, as we'll get to, I'm sure here, I think there's a, an interesting discussion to be had about maybe if it was a universal DH on a team that was expecting to challenge for a playoff berth, might be a different story, but universal DH on a rebuilding team that's looking at another 
long and tough season? Maybe not so much. We can get into the reasons behind his decision here shortly. But first, I mean, I'm glad we're talking. I'm glad we have a podcast to do. We've been waiting to do one. I just wish this wasn't the subject we were doing it on. I wish we were doing a spring training preview right now or that I was even down in West Palm Beach giving my firsthand accounts of what I've seen in the first couple of days of workouts. And unfortunately, we're not there yet. So we'll have to settle for this news, but it is big news and it's certainly worthy. If anybody's retirement is worthy of his own episode of a podcast, it is Ryan Zern. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's not happy news, but it's also not sad news. Like this is, I think, a good chance to appreciate maybe the greatest national so far. I mean, it depends on how you want to define great. He certainly is not the most accomplished in terms of like, you know, Hall of Fame resume, like that would be Max Scherzer. But in terms of longevity, in terms of likability, in terms of being with this thing since the start of this thing, in terms of the Nats as a Washington, D.C. franchise. Nobody has anything on Ryan Zimmerman in those regards. So Zim announced his retirement via a statement published by his agency, CAA, on Tuesday afternoon. The statement was signed employee number 11, which was just great. Read the statement in part, quote, although my baseball career has come to an end, my family and I will continue to be heavily involved in the DMV community. You have given so much to us over the past 17 years. It is now time for us to give back to you. We look forward to continuing many of our community programs and starting new ones in the future. Our kids will be raised here as this is now our home and we couldn't be more excited. So this is not a goodbye, but more of a see you around, end quote. Now, Zim has a personal services aspect to his contract with the organization, right? So He is still technically staying on as an employee of the Nats. Is that correct? Yeah, correct. So this goes all the way back to the extension that he signed, the big one that he signed in 2012, a contract that expired after the World Series. Then remember, he signed a couple of one-year deals. But that previous contract, which is still binding in this regard, it said that whenever he retired, he was free to go play for other teams at the end of his career. If he wanted to, obviously he didn't. But at the end of his career, when he was retired, he has a contract with the Nationals to work for them for five years at $2 million a year. So it's actually more than his base salary was in 2021. And it's kind of unspecified as far as what that will be. It's going to be a variety of roles. I think there could be a little bit of in-uniform stuff, either at spring training and some batting practice, you know, pregame stuff. Could go talk to some minor leaguers. I think you'll also see at least a little bit of on-air work from him. I don't think you're going to see him become a regular on uh, Masson or 106.7, but, you know, filling in here or there, making some appearances. And I think more than anything, what he's going to be, which is what he's always been anyways, is an ambassador for the organization. So anytime there's something big going on with the team, I think you're going to see Ryan Zerman be a part of that. And that's good. The franchise, for all the success they've had, even though we're 17 years into it now, they don't really have a substantial alumni base and certainly not guys who are around a lot. Every once in a while, somebody will show up here or there, but most of them don't live here anymore. Maybe he and Jason Worth, you could say, are kind of the first really big-time ex-Nats who can still play a role and still kind of represent the franchise without being an active player. Well, Zimmerman, his final game ends up being the Nationals' regular season finale last October 3rd, and we all sort of surmised at the time, well, this could be it for Zim. We weren't sure at the time. He wasn't sure at the time, but It did kind of feel like a goodbye that Sunday afternoon, October 3rd, that season-ending 7-5 loss to the Boston Red Sox at Nationals Park. And really, I don't think I'm overstating this. This was one of the more moving scenes we've ever had at Nationals Park, where Zim takes the field in the top of the eighth, then gets removed from the game. 
so he can get the proper send-off. And the send-off ends up featuring a lengthy standing ovation from not just the fans, but also the players, which was great to see. You had the great scene as well of Davey Martinez off a recent procedure at the time, like limping onto the field to hug Zimmerman. And then you had the stoic Ryan Zimmerman, the stone-faced Ryan Zimmerman crying. And it just, it was such a great scene on so many levels for so many reasons. And again, we didn't know for sure at the time that that was it, but it felt like it may well be it and it ends up being it. And as a final sort of snapshot for Ryan Zimmerman as a national, it would be hard to script a better one than that one. Yeah, I agree. Other than the fact that the team was in a position where they were losing their 97th game, you know, that's about the only part of it that wasn't, you know, exactly how you wanted. Although I remember he came up to bat, I think it was his last at bat with a chance to come up with a big hit that could have given them the lead or something like that late in the game, and he, he didn't do it. And I'll say this, I don't know that he really, as that day was playing out, knew for sure that this was it, but he knew there was a chance. And it's his wife, Heather, who the night before had said to him, you know what, you should let them do something for you. Because even if you don't know, even if you do come back, if you do decide this is it, you might regret it if you don't do something for the fans on that last day. And by the end of it, you could tell that he agreed with her 100% that it was the right call, the right thing to do. And I just remember getting to the end of that whole day and into the evening, he did a long post game with all of us. And then I'm up in the press box, you know, writing about it. And I look down on the field and there's Ryan and Heather and their kids and his parents and her family. They're all out on the field. He's still in uniform. This is, you know, an hour after the game's over, last day of the season. They're taking photos. His daughters are running around the infield. And it just felt like, okay, this is probably it. If it's not, are we really going to do this all over again? I think I even said that to you that night on the podcast. Like, wouldn't that be a little weird to do it all over again? And hey, you know what? It was his choice. If he wanted to come back, sure, we could do it all over again. But it really did work out, aside from the team's result on a personal level, I think it worked out as best as you could ever imagine. And, you know, keep in mind, so few professional athletes have that opportunity to go out on their terms and like that. So many of them try to hang on for a few more years. Maybe they sign with another team. Maybe they get hurt. The game sort of pushes them out. And in this case, you actually had Ryan Zimmerman saying, no, you know what? I'm going out on my terms. Could he keep playing? Yeah. Yeah. I think we all felt like he's good enough to play another season or two. But the situation the team was in and that unknown, you know, who knows? Maybe he does get hurt. Maybe he isn't effective anymore. Maybe you have that awkward situation where he's taken up a roster spot, doesn't deserve it anymore. For all those reasons, it really did make sense and it did turn out to be a very fitting ending for him and one that, like I said, very few professional athletes get that opportunity to go out like that. Yeah, you talk about his final season, his age 36 season, 110 games, 273 plate appearances, 471 slugging percentage. And we talked about this last year, how Zim, for a decent chunk of, say, the first half of the season, was really productive. And we were like, well, geez, why isn't he playing more? And then you wrote that piece on him where he basically said to you, no, I don't want to play more. The way I'm being utilized is exactly the way that I need to be utilized. And I thought that that was so telling. But, you know, Zim was at a point in his career in which even he realized less is more and less was more. And he actually ended up doing a pretty nice job as last season went on. It's never one thing that compels a star to retire. That said, when you look at the various things going on here, there is the lockout. There is the physical toll that Zimmerman's playing career has taken on his body. There is the fact that the Nationals are a rebuilding team and, you know, they're not poised to win 95 games in 2022. 
What do you think was the ultimate thing that pushed him over the edge? I mean, is there one thing that you think sort of dotted the I, crossed the T, and ultimately got him to this place at which he said, you know what, I need to retire? He and his wife just had another kid. You know, that's another thing to enter into the equation. Is there anything that ultimately clinched Zimmerman retiring to you? Yeah, just a few weeks ago, they had their fourth child with another son named Benjamin. And when I saw that, now I knew that it was coming. That wasn't, you know, secret or anything, but the timing of it kind of made me think, okay, well, you really now a couple of weeks later going to say goodbye to the family and leave Heather alone with four kids now and then go down to West Palm Beach. So I think it's all of those things combined just sort of made it the right time. I think the lockout probably didn't help, certainly in terms of the timing of this. As he said all along, he would need to make a decision by like December, January at the latest because that's when he have to start getting his body into shape. Now, as the lockout's going on, the weird part of this was that he still technically, because he ended the season on the 40-man roster, he was subject to the lockout. He's still a member of the union, so he couldn't comment. He couldn't talk to the team really officially, couldn't talk to us about anything. But in the back of your mind, you knew, okay, the longer the lockout drags on, he would have to be preparing himself to play without knowing if and when the season was going to start. So that wouldn't be an ideal situation. I think the biggest thing is, like we said, the state of the team. If this is a team that has Max Scherzer, Trey Turner, is maybe spending money this winter on free agents and doing another go for it kind of season, I think he would say, all right, I'll deal with the other stuff. I'll deal with the getting my body ready. I'll deal with the lockout. I'll deal with the family at home. It's worth it to me to try to keep playing and try to help this team win again. But when you really take that part into it, was it worth all the other sacrifices that he would have to make to go play on a team that is just not really built for Ryan Zimmerman to be a part of right now? That's not the direction they're going. And it's not like they're a year away. Would he be committing to two more years or three more years? Probably not. So I think that's the overriding factor there. And that's why I think deep down, he probably felt like all along that that was the way he was going to go. But like I said, could he keep playing? Yeah. I absolutely think he was productive enough and in the role they would have had him in again, combined with backup first base and DH, I absolutely think he could have continued to play and be effective. It just was a matter of all the sacrifices that would go into that. Was that worth it to now play for a team that might lose 90, 95 games? So I mentioned the two most prominent nicknames for Ryan Zimmerman, Mr. National and Mr. Walkoff. And boy, were they fitting. So with the Mr. National nickname, Ryan Zimmerman retires as the Nats slash Expos all-time leader in regular season runs created, total bases, extra base hits, home runs, doubles, hits, RBI, runs, plate appearances, and games. And I know that not every Nats fan is a big fan of the Expos, but The Expos have had some great players over the years, you know, guys like Gary Carter and Tim Raines and Andre Dawson. So to be the franchise's all-time leader in all of those categories is really impressive. There's the poetry slash appropriate nature of Zimmerman having been the first draft choice for the franchise after it came to Washington, D.C., right? The franchise came to D.C. after the 2004 season. That took Zimmerman with the number four pick in the 2005 MLB draft out of the University of Virginia. He remarkably made his major league debut later that year. You almost never see that, September 1st, 2005. So he's drafted June of 05, debuts September 1 of 05. That's pretty remarkable. So the Mr. National thing is so fitting. And then the Mr. Walkoff thing, 11 career walkoff homers for Ryan Zimmerman in the regular season. And now Dominguez ready, the 2-1 to Zimmerman. Swing and a high fly ball to deep right. Williams going back at the warning track, at the wall. He leaps. It is gone! It is gone! It is gone! 
one, or is it? It's a home run! It's a walk-off game-winning two-run homer for the Z-Man! And the company that he keeps in having 11 career walk-off bombs, Jim Tomey is the all-time leader in regular season walk-off homers with 13, but in that number two spot, tied for the number two spot, Jimmy Fox, Mickey Mantle, Stan Musial, Albert Pujols, Frank Robinson, and Babe Ruth each has 12. Zimmerman has 11. That is all-time company that he keeps with those 11 walk-off bombs. And I remember we talked about this a few months ago. So many of the walk-off homers came earlier in his career. It felt for a while like he was going to finish with like 20 career walk-off homers. It felt like every five minutes the guy was hitting a walk-off homer at uh, one point in his career. Yeah. And so the other two guys with 11 are David Ortiz and Tony Perez. So you take all the, those 11 players now with 11 or more in their career, 10 of them are Hall of Famers. I think it's safe to assume Albert Pujols is going to be a Hall of Famer. Probably safe to say that one. Ryan Zimmerman, the lone non-Hall of Famer in that group. And I think in a lot of ways that actually says more about him and elevates him because no, I'm not going to try to make the case here that Ryan Zimmerman had a Hall of Fame career. We can talk later about maybe what might have been, if not for the shoulder injury and the move away from third base, but the totality of his career, no, you're not going to make a compelling case for that. But the point is, the only players in Major League history who've ever hit as many walk-off homers as him have been among the greatest players ever. There's something tied into that, you know? That tells you that he had something, whatever that special something is that you can't quantify in your runs created stat, which I love that that's the first one you pointed out. The franchise leader in runs created. I know that's what Zim is most proud of, Al. Franchise leader in runs created. He should be. It's that intangible thing that you want to call clutch. I don't know whatever you want to call that. He had it, okay? He had it. Yeah, a lot of it was the first half of his career, but even late in his career, there were big hits throughout, big moments. And I just, I'll always remember, because I feel like I had to ask him this question every time he hit one of those walk-off homers. What is it about those situations? Why is he so good in them? And he said, and it sounds simple enough, but I don't think a lot of athletes are able to do this. He said, when you're in that situation, the pressure is not on you. It's on the pitcher. It's on the other guy. You have to treat it that way like it's just any other at bat and think, hey, he's the one who's now in a jam. He's the one who has to get out of this thing. And that worked so well for him and allowed him to be that guy in those big moments throughout his career. And so I think that he deserves to be on that list with those Hall of Famers. Not that he's a Hall of Famer, but I think it's really telling that the only players in baseball history to do that, besides Ryan Zimmerman, were all Hall of Famers. That tells you how good he was when it really counted the most. Yeah, he had a knack for the dramatic for sure. I mean, among those walk-off homers, right, was a walk-off bomb in the Nats' first ever regular season game at Nationals Park. So he christened Nationals Park with a walk-off homer, you know, that kind of a thing, the kind of a thing that a franchise player does. Now the pitching on the way. Swing and a drive left center field deep on the run is Way back, going, going, and gone! Goodbye!
know, I think about Ryan Zimmerman and, you know, baseball is not necessarily like, say, the NBA, but you're a great player on a bad team. He stuck through things being bad with the Nats. And I always like that about the Ryan Zimmerman story. He survived the bad and then reaped the benefits of the good. The Nationals were a really bad team 2006 through 2010. Ryan Zimmerman was a bright spot on those teams. Ryan Zimmerman, in fact, was an MVP caliber player in the 2009 and 2010 seasons. Baseball reference wore a 7-3 in 2009, 6-2 in 2010. Those are MVP level wars that this guy was putting up. It's kind of a shame the peak of Ryan Zimmerman as a player came during the down years of the Nats. By the time that the Nats became a perennial playoff team, Zimmerman was already on the downside of his career in terms of getting hurt. He was still productive when he played, but like looking back on it, the best of Ryan Zimmerman was in that 2009-2010 territory, but he stuck through it. You know, as far as we know, never complained, never was a malcontent. And you mentioned the shoulder injury. I got to tell you, this sticks with me maybe more than anything with Ryan Zimmerman. So that was kind of an uncomfortable thing. He was a third baseman, 05 through 2013. October 2012, he undergoes the arthroscopic surgery on the AC joint in the right shoulder, and he's never the same again. He starts having throwing problems, and by the time we get to the 2014 season, he's splitting time between third base and left field. And I remember the conversation at the time, well, eventually Ryan Zimmerman's going to play first base, eventually became the following season. Starting with that 2015 season, he was the first baseman. And that had to have been humbling. That maybe was embarrassing. You know, like when you get the yips, that's not a fun thing to go through. He couldn't throw the baseball anymore. But as far as we know, he never complained. He never became a malcontent. You know, he handled this transition from third base to first base with class and dignity. And I always respected that about him because I don't know how many other superstars or at least stars would have handled that situation the way that he handled that situation. And I think that says a lot about Ryan Zimmerman, the person. It's really the through line of his entire career, events like that, like you're talking about, even at the end of agreeing, you know what, I'm not an everyday player anymore. Even if I'm hitting 300, no, I know better. Josh Bell is the first baseman. I need to be his backup and come off the bench. It is the position switch. Like you said, it is not complaining about, I mean, it's not just that the Nats were losing a lot of games in those years, but they were a joke in the baseball world, okay? Think about some of the stuff that happened with them and how they were thought of around the rest of the baseball world. He could have spoken out against that or at the very least decided, you know what, I'm just going to play out my contract until I can become a free agent and then get me out of here. I want to go play for a real franchise. He absolutely could have done that and he never did. And not just that, he never even hinted at it. He never off the record grumbled about it. He knew that they had their issues and that, you know, as a franchise that they were not really what they could or should have been at that point. But he would never come out and say that. And I think what people don't remember, a lot of interesting things here, but one is he signed his big extension with them, $100 million extension in the spring of 2012 going into that season. You have to remember at that point, the Nationals had not yet had a winning season. They had not made the playoffs. They had not really been a contender. And yeah, there were good signs and they were hoping to be headed on that path. But that was a show of commitment on his part and blind faith in a lot of ways on his part. He didn't have to resign with them then. He could have waited it out. Hey, let me see. Maybe they'll win this year and then I'll decide do I want to stick with them or not. Maybe I can make more money at that point or become a free agent and see what else is out there. And he committed to them before he had any right to. And that loyalty said so much about who he was and his belief in the organization and what he means to them and just the way he approached 
everything. It's a really rare thing. I saw the stat was put out by Devin Bridges of the Nationals Communications Department. Only 57 players in Major League history played their entire career 16 years or more with one franchise. And Ryan Zimmerman is one of them. That's a pretty exclusive club, especially in today's world of free agency and so much movement around. There's very few guys, but he, from the beginning, he would talk about idolizing Ripken and Gwynn and Jeter. And he understood that that group, it's a different class. It's a different type of player that is viewed at in a different kind of way. And it's not just about how good of a player they are, but the loyalty they show to one franchise. And so he never really did consider going anywhere else. He really became a part of the Washington, D.C. sports community as well. I think it's really telling when the Capitals made their run to the 2018 Stanley Cup Championship, the two Nationals who were summoned to be a part of things were Max Scherzer and Ryan Zimmerman. Like, Ryan Zimmerman was seen as a flagship face of Washington, D.C. sports, even though by then, you know, he wasn't the Ryan Zimmerman that he had been in previous years. But like when I think about, okay, in Washington, D.C. sports, who are the faces of D.C. sports over the last 20 years? I think number one is Alex Ovechkin, if you're being honest about things. But I think you could make a really strong case that number two is Zimmerman, you know, because of his longevity and because of his presence and because of his production, because of, you know, he was such a likable guy. Like, who didn't like Ryan Zimmerman, okay? Like, there's something wrong with you if you didn't like Ryan Zimmerman. So I think that's a really cool thing, too, that, like, he became a real part of this area over the last decade plus. Hey, Nats fans, are you looking to buy or sell a home or an investment property? If so, contact Jamie Coppersmith and the Coppersmith Group at McInerney Associates, a huge Nats fan right from the get-go in 2005. Jamie has repeatedly been recognized by Washingtonian Magazine as a top-producing real estate agent across the DMV. Referred to by a client as a Jedi Master of Real Estate, he will bring his expertise to bear on your behalf, helping you understand and navigate this challenging real estate market. Jamie is a five-tool agent who's as patient as Juan Soto at the plate. He has his own version of Moneyball, a strategic and statistical market-based analysis that balanced with a deep respect for your specific real estate needs, goals, and timeline. So, whether buying or selling, call Jamie Coppersmith today at 202-525-7471 or visit his website at thecoppersmithgroup.com. That's Coppersmith with a K. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? 
Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Here's the wide of the pitch. Swing and a drive hit well. Deep center field. Way back goes Springer to the warning track. Looking up and it is gone. Goodbye. Bang! Soon goes the Z-Man to the deepest part of Minute Maid Park, just to the left of the batter's eye in center field. Ryan Zimmerman with his second home run of the postseason cuts the Astros' lead in half. It's Houston 2 and Washington 1 on a postseason World Series home run for Ryan Zimmerman. You can vote on our Twitter poll at Nats underscore chat on your favorite Ryan Zimmerman moment. The four candidates we have are the Nats Park opener walk off, the game one World Series home run, his final game and goodbye, and uh, other walk off home runs. The leading recipient of votes by far so far is the home run in game one of the World Series. You know, it's interesting when you look at Ryan Zimmerman's postseason production, he was a productive postseason player. I don't know that this has gotten a lot of attention during his career. 128 career playoff plate appearances, 35 career postseason games. OPS is 790. You know, that's not bad at all. And he had some real big moments in that 2019 run to the World Series championship, the three-run homer off Pedro Baez in game four of the NLDS against the Dodgers. The right-hander kicks the liver. Zim swings and drives one to deep center field. Way back goes Bellinger to the warning track, to the wall. It is gone! Goodbye! Bang! Zoom goes Game one home run. We just referenced the two out solo shot to center field off Garrett Cole in game one of the World Series, the victory at the Houston Astros. I know a play for me that still sticks with me is that great defensive play he made in NLCS game one. Hit by a pitch was a Rosarena, the pinch hitter. Here's a swing and a line drive. Gone by a diving Ryan Zimmerman to his right. What a play by Zimmerman leaving his feet. A headlong diving backhanded catch. By 35-year-old Ryan Zimmerman, one away in the bottom of the eighth inning. Diving backhanded catch of a lineout by Tommy Edmond to begin the bottom of the eighth. Anibal Sanchez working toward a no-hitter. Every no-hitter, it feels like, has a defensive gem. Zimmerman makes that, and I remember saying to myself, man, Anibal's going to do it. Well, he ended up not doing it, although he pitched a great game that night. But there you had the old man Zimmerman, still rather spry in the field, still capable of making the great defensive play. Again, it goes back to like this knack for the big moment. There was something about him where he seemed to rise up 
in the biggest spots. And he did that in that 2019 postseason. There were so many players to feel good about and for in 19. Zimmerman was at or at least near the top of the list. Big moments, big clutch performances by Zimmerman. And uh, it made every Nats fan feel good to see that, to see him not just be a part of that team, but to meaningfully contribute to that team's postseason run. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, there are guys who end up getting a World Series ring as sort of a side participant to it, you know, almost like an honorary kind of thing. That wasn't the case at all here. He was a big time contributor. And remember, he actually did not start the wild card game, the first playoff game. They had Matt Adams, remember, at first base. You had that period where you have Howie Kendrick playing first base and Asdrubal Cabrera at second. So, I mean, there were questions about, you know, is Zim even our everyday first baseman at that point? And then all of a sudden, as the playoffs progressed, it was clear, yes, he is. He's our first baseman because he still has the ability to come through in the big spots. The defense is second to none. I love that dive and catch to keep the no-hitter going. I had the same feeling at the time. And it was almost like each one of those moments that fall, it was like Zimmerman reminding everybody like, hey, yeah, hey, remember me? You know, I'm actually the guy who's been here through all this and I can still contribute to this. Yeah, Straz and Scherzer and Soto and Rendon, they're all great, but don't forget about me. I'm right in there with them. I'm just as important. And the moment that I really think ultimately stands out. And it's not the one that's obvious to most people. And I'm not discounting the home run off Garrett Cole because that was huge. And it set the tone, I think, for that game and for that series. Had a big homer in game four against the Dodgers in the NLDS that extended the lead to kind of seal that win and send it back to LA for game five. But the one that I keep coming back to, and I watched it again today to remind myself of it, is the broken bat single off Josh Hader in the wild card game. Anthony Rendon is on deck. This is the Nationals' chance here with two out. Hader sets. Taylor the lead from first. The kick and the pitch to Zim. Swing and a broken bat pop-up. Shallow center field. This is going to fall in for a base hit. Taylor around second will go to third. And Kane runs it into the infield with nobody covering second. Thames, the first baseman, was a cutoff man near the mound. A broken bat single to center for Zimmerman as a pinch hitter. And the tying runs are on base. And Anthony Rendon is the batter. Two outs in the eighth. There's a runner on first. He comes up to pinch hit. Remember, he had come to the on-deck circle a couple times in that game, and Davey would pull him back, saving him for the right moment. Finally got that moment against Hayter with the season on the line. They're four outs away from elimination. They don't really have much of a rally going at this point. And Hayter throws him a 97-mile-an-hour fastball in on the hands, and it destroys his bat. He's left with a toothpick in his hands, but he got enough muscle on it to get the ball over the shortstop's head and into shallow center field for the single. I know a lot of people might say, broken bat hit, that's a fluke, you know, hater actually deserved to get the out. Well, yes and no. To me, if you don't have the strength that Ryan Zerman has, that's a pop-up to the shortstop. You're not getting it over his head. Zim, even though it wasn't a clean hit, by pulling the hands in, by still having enough muscle on it to get it over his head and into center field, I think there was skill involved in that, athleticism involved in that, and that kept the rally going to ultimately set up the Juan Soto hit that everyone will remember. So that one stands out to me as a maybe lesser in the moment significant event for him, but arguably that was as important as anything else he ever did for them. Yeah, he is a big guy, but he, especially in his peak years, was remarkably athletic for his size. He'll mention Cal Ripken Jr. He was Cal-esque in that he was a bigger left side of the infield player, but he could move. There was real athleticism there. 
Zimmerman was listed as being 6'3", 215 pounds. He's a big dude. So the fact that he had the strength to do, as you just described, it makes sense. I remember watching Zimmerman at those press conferences that postseason. And, you know, we don't really talk much about size in baseball like we do in other sports. But seeing Zimmerman seated at those pressers, I was like, wow, he really is big. And he is like, he's not some, you know, skinny mini infield or anything like that. Like, no, the guy's like a horse. And the fact that he can make these diving catches, that makes what he's done even more remarkable in that regard. So if you're having a Ryan Zimmerman conversation and you're discussing his career and you're being honest about things, you can't not talk about all of the missed time due to injury. He did miss a lot of time due to injury. Ryan Zimmerman's major league career lasted for 16 seasons, 2005 through 2019, and then 2021. Remember, he didn't play in the 2020 season due to COVID. He got called up to the majors late in the 05 season. He was a part-time player in the 2021 season. So if you look at like his 14 true major league seasons, 2006 through 2019, Zimmerman over those 14 seasons played in at least 150 regular season games just three times. Zimmerman from 2014 through 2019 played in more than 115 games, which is not a lot of games in a season, just one time, 2017. It had to drive him nuts, the frequency with which he dealt with injury. Had he not been injured as often as he was, do you think that we would be talking about a guy going to the Hall of Fame? Because the per-game production seemingly was there. He just didn't have the volume of production because he missed so much time due to injury. Yeah, I think it would definitely be more of a conversation than it's going to be now. I mean, he's going to make the Hall of Fame ballot, obviously. Maybe he picks up a vote or two from somebody, but he's not going to be considered a serious contender, nor should he be. And he would be the first to say that when you look at the career in totality. But I kind of break his career up into two parts. And there were a variety of injuries, of course. But to me, it really starts with the shoulder that became an issue in 2012. And he didn't miss a lot of time with it, in part because he was getting cortisone shots a few times to keep him on the field. And I remember it was kind of a running joke. He'd get a cortisone shot and all of a sudden he hit a home run the next day. And he'd be like, oh boy, something must have, you know, keep doing that. Another round of cortisone shots for Zim. And he made it through that season really well. And then by the next year, like you said, he had the surgery in the off season and then you started to see the toll. And all of a sudden he wasn't throwing the ball anymore the way that he always had. And by 2014, he really couldn't throw it at all to the point that they had to put him on the I.L., and then figure out when he comes back, where are we going to put him? We can't put him at third base anymore. And so he ends up playing left field for 30 games just as an emergency. They didn't have any other choice. And then knew that when that season was over, Adam LaRoche was going to be a free agent. As much as they liked LaRoche, they had to open up first base for Zim because that was really the only position they felt like he could physically play anymore at that point. So let's look at what he was prior to that. So his first eight big league seasons, he averages 33 doubles, 22 homers, 83 RBI, 827 OPS, and is playing gold glove at third base. If there's anybody out there who wasn't a Nats fan in the early days, maybe you kind of didn't really start following them until 2012, you don't quite understand just how good Ryan Zimmerman was as a third baseman. Anthony Rendon was a fantastic third baseman, as we all know. Ryan Zimmerman was better than him. I truly believe that. The charging in play, the backhand plays down the line, the throws from deep in the hole, the ability to go back and make acrobatic plays down the foul lines. He was as good as there was in the game. And so I, to this day, do wonder if he doesn't suffer the shoulder injuries and that doesn't wreck his throwing motion and he's able to play his whole career at third, 
even if he has some of the other injuries, does he produce enough while playing elite third base to put him into that kind of Scott Rowland conversation? At first base, you're not going to get there because there's too many big names there. At third base, though, as a great defensive player who hits consistently, I think there could have been an interesting argument for him. It's interesting to me, Ryan Zimmerman was part of this triumvirate of guys from the Virginia Beach area who came to prominence in the mid to late aughts. It was Ryan Zimmerman, David Wright, and Mark Reynolds. And the parallels for Zim and Wright are really kind of eerie. Each guy a third baseman in the National League East. Each guy started off his career like a house of fire, but each guy faded as time went on due to injury. And I don't know, it's just kind of weird how that played out. But Look, Zimmerman at his peak was an outstanding player. He's got nothing to be ashamed of. The longevity, the fact that he played his entire career with one team, and the fact now that he can be this ambassador for the Nats, which is like just the perfect role for him in so many ways. So his number will be retired by the organization. Is that a safe thing to say, in your opinion? I think it's probably safe to say nobody's ever wearing number 11 again. Now, do you remember, does anybody remember what he actually wore as a rookie in 2005 for that one month? was not number 11. No, I don't remember that. 25. That was his first number. And the only guys to wear number 11 for the Nationals, other than Ryan Zimmerman, because it was earlier that summer, were a couple of greats, Jeffrey Hammonds and Junior Spivey, a couple of Nationals legends right there. And so it was the following year, as he now was a full-time big leaguer, and those other guys were no longer in the organization, that he got number 11 and wore that the rest of his career. And yes, it is safe to say that that will be the first number that's officially retired by the Nationals, and rightfully so. And there could be a lot more coming his way in terms of honors at the ballpark. So in terms of the impact on the 2022 Nationals, it feels kind of silly having this conversation because there's so much work to be done in terms of the composition of the 2022 Nationals roster. There's just not a lot that's happened with the Nats this offseason, and obviously the offseason has been on pause since early December since the start of the lockout. You know, I think you could argue from purely a baseball operation standpoint, this is a good thing for the Nats. Not that Zimmerman playing in 2022 would have been a bad thing. I mean, he would have been, what, a $1 million player, $2 million player. It would have been fine if he had played. But, you know, the Nats are trying to get younger. They're trying to get more positionally versatile. Nowadays, even with the DH, the DH is no longer used for some aging, lumbering slugger. The way most teams use a DH now is you use it as a spot and you rotate guys. You know, you give other position players days off, things like that. So, you know, not being locked into Ryan Zimmerman having to be your DH for say 140 games, 130 games in the season, whatever it would have been, actually might be a good thing for the Nationals in that regard. But from a baseball standpoint, from a roster standpoint, what is the impact in your opinion of Ryan Zimmerman not being a part of the Nats in the 2022 season? Well, let's also say this. My guess is, you know, if he was returning and if there is a DH, which we still don't know officially, but even though the signs are pointing to it, I don't know that he would have been the quote unquote everyday DH because I'm not sure that even would have been best for him. I still think he would have been looking at trying to keep his body in good shape. And, you know, one of his best attributes, of course, is his defense. So maybe you would want him at first base when he does play, even if it's only 40 times a year or something like that. So I don't even know if they would have done that. But I do agree that if we're just being cold, hard analytics about this, about the makeup of the baseball team, Ryan Zimmerman was not really the best fit for the Nationals in 2022. Josh Bell, I think we've seen, isn't the guy who needs a whole lot of time off. 
and he proved to be better defensively than we thought, and he hits from both sides of the plate. So it's not like he needs a lot of games off there. It could open the door now for Riley Adams to back him up at first base some. We talked about that some last year as maybe a way to keep Adams bat in the lineup while Cabert Ruiz is catching the bulk of games. So that's one possibility. The DH spot, maybe Yadiel Hernandez gets more opportunities now, depending on what they do. I do think the one thing though is, and again, there's a lot that still has to happen. It's, it's hard to really look at this team and say, we know what a lineup is going to be or anything like that. But I do think Zimmerman not returning does open a spot and suggest that they do need to go get another bat of some type and not just a an inexperienced one, but somebody with some kind of track record, whether that's a third baseman, a left fielder, a first baseman, a DH type, whatever that is. I think this team is in need, especially if there's going to be a full-time DH, of another competent bat, somebody who could hit fifth or sixth for you on a regular basis. And that spot is maybe more available to you now that Ryan Zimmerman is not going to be a part of it. So they've got a lot of work to do, as we know. But whether Zim would have been a big part of it or not, I'm not sure. My hunch would be, as tempting as it sounds to just pencil him in at DH every day, that it might not have actually worked out that way. Well, the first ever guest on the Nats Chat podcast was Ryan Zimmerman. That was episode three of the Nats Chat podcast from March of 2021. So if you want to hear our chat with Zim, and he was great. Zim was always great on uh, interviews, always honest and upfront and uh, didn't hold back. Definitely want to give that a listen. You tell us your memories of Ryan Zimmerman, your reactions to the retirement of Ryan Zimmerman. You can tweet us at Nats underscore chat. You can email the podcast as well, NatsChatPodcast at gmail.com. If you are listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, please give the podcast a five-star rating. If you haven't yet done that, you can now rate podcasts on Spotify in addition to on Apple Podcasts. And if you have like 30 seconds to kill, please write a brief uh, one or two sentence review saying how much you like the podcast. You can do that on Apple Podcasts. These ratings and reviews help to make the podcast successful. Advertisers look at them and we thank you very much for doing those ratings and reviews. And get yourself a Nats Chat Podcast t-shirt by going to natschatpodcast.square.site. That's natschatpodcast.com. Dot square dot site. And in the meantime, Mark, we wait and wait and hope that uh, the lockout eventually will come to an end. Spring training camps were already to have begun. So at the very least, spring training has been impacted by the lockout. We'll see if the regular season is impacted by the lockout. Uh, things do not seem to be going swimmingly between the owners and the players. So I don't know. I want to be optimistic, but I'm not sure how much longer we can hold on to optimism in terms of not missing a substantial time with this thing. So we'll see. Well, we've just about reached that point. I think we talked a couple months ago when this was all starting up about, you know, what's the real deadline? Where's that point of no return that you either need a deal or else you're now actually risking opening day not happening on time? We're just about there. We're about a week away. And I have been, like everyone else, twiddling my thumbs, anxiously waiting for us to get to about this point in mid-February. I think the next week is really telling. Is there actual movement? Is there an attempt by both sides to actually negotiate and try to offer something a little more than they have and try to find some kind of middle ground understanding that even if you don't get ultimately what you wanted all along, that's still better than not playing at all because nobody gets anything if they don't play games. So I think the next week is really telling if there's any hope of a March 31st opening day. I think we're going to have to have some real progress towards that by, let's say, February 24th or so. Yeah, the fact that the latest offer from the owners to the players was not well received at all from the players is not a good sign. The only thing that I keep coming back to in terms of, geez, they're not going to miss any regular season time is, 
Are the owners and the players willing to have a shortened season for a second time in three years? A lot of people missed out on a lot of money in 2020 because of the pandemic. Are the owners willing to punt on revenue again? Are the players willing to punt on lost salary again? Again, this would be for a second time in three years. I kind of feel like in a weird way, what happened in 2020 could actually help us here in 2022. But I don't know. The two sides seem to hate each other's guts and they do seem to be far apart. I know some of that stuff can be posturing, but it's starting to feel like we may miss some substantial time with this thing. So we'll see. In the end, it boils down to this. I've said all along, what's more important to them, winning the battle or having a deal? That's really what it amounts to. Is it worth it to be blamed for the season not starting, for games to be lost because this battle is so important that you win it? Maybe it is, but I think a lot of fans would say, deep down, they don't really care which side wins. They just want there to be baseball and they want it to be 162 games on time. Well, in the meantime, we thank you for listening to this installment of the Nats Chat Podcast. We hope all of you listening are doing well. And we salute Ryan Zimmerman on a tremendous career as a Washington National. For Mark Zuckerman, I'm Al Galdi. We'll talk to you next time on the Nats Chat Podcast. The ovation is a standing ovation for Nationals first baseman Ryan Zimmerman. Listen to the crowd roar as everyone stands and applauds. And he takes his helmet off and waves it to the crowd. And how about Christian Vasquez, the catcher, walking out out of the grass in front of home plate and faced home plate until Ryan Zimmerman said okay. I think Zim needs a, a moment. I think he's a little emotional right now, wearing sunglasses. It's a good thing he's wearing sunglasses. A little dusty down there for him. We don't know if it's his final game ever, but it is 1,799.